yellow. This is All Out, and I'm your host, Aja Smith. I am drinking the nastiest coffee I've ever drank in my life. My favorite coffee shop uh, makes these. We're off to a strong start, people. Super fucking entertaining. It's cherry and mocha flavored, and usually I'm not a type of bitch that all the flavors, I'm like, just give me the average normal I don't need all that extra sugar and jumbo mumbo no but it's so fucking good so I was like hmm I'm gonna try to make it at home and I was watching them how they made it and they had this cherry syrup I promise I'll get to a more interesting point in a second well I have grenadine I know it's not the same as cherry cherry syrup but I was like damn close enough and I have Hershey's cocoa powder it's not sweet but it's cocoa powder and I saw them put that in there I put it in there and I didn't realize that I was out of milk. And this is it literally, let me take another t- sip to give you guys a little taste test and some ASMR. Mm. Ew, it's literally so fucking nasty. I don't know. This is like, I think that I can do shit. I'm a master of all. And, and then I try to do shit and it turns out fucking terrible. Anyways, hello. How are we doing this week? I have something on my chest that I need to, I need to get out. I was driving the other day. I don't know what was making me think about this. The religious, and maybe it's a Sagittarius in me because Sagittarius is all about philosophy, religion, whatever. I'm driving down the road and I'm thinking about our bodies and like, I, and oh my God, celibacy update. So a while ago, I told you guys that I was on a celibacy journey. She's in her celibacy era and I was going strong. <laughs> I was going to, I was going really, 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 really fucking strong and I fucked somebody (laughs) and I talked about this in therapy. Speaking of, it's my therapist's birthday today. I texted her and I said, my therapist's favorite client, happy birthday. Besides the point, no. So I was on this celibacy journey and I'm like, okay, yeah, it's so fucking easy to be celibate when you have no one to fuck and you don't really want to fuck anybody. So I was seeing somebody and you know it's a true tried and test and testimony of like okay you want to be on the celibacy journey but what happens when you slightly are interested in somebody and slightly get a little bit horny and you're like "Mm, do I fuck or do I not and I'm not kidding you guys this is not something that I'm proud of by the way like I'm not kidding you as I was making the conscious decision to have sex with somebody in my head I was like why am I doing this when I don't really want to do this and (laughs) This podcast gets more pathetic every week that it passes. It just keeps getting worse and worse. No, but I'm sitting here making, and it's interesting because I still, now I'm back on the celibacy. I would say I was celibate for about two months and now it's been, I don't know, maybe two months again since I've not had sex. And I'm and I'm here and, I, and I'm like, okay, I don't really want to have sex. I mean, I'm making the conscious decision to have sex, but I don't really want to. Why am I doing this? And after I did, I'm not kidding you guys. I drove home and every single episode, I'm like, I was sobbing my eyes out. She is going through massive transformations and growth. But, um, I was driving home. I was sobbing my eyes out. I was like, why did I do that when I really didn't want to do it? Why am I, like, I just didn't fucking understand. And I came to this conclusion and it's like, it's so fucking sad when you start recognizing patterns or like things of like why you do things based on the past. And it was like, man, I did that because what I truly craved was intimacy 
an emotional intimacy and not sexual intimacy. I didn't want to be intimate with somebody. I was craving emotional intimacy with another person. I was lacking that. And as I'm driving home, sobbing, this is not even what I was going to talk about this week. Lo and behold, I hate that I say that, lo and behold, it makes me feel like I'm like on my 600 pound life and eat raw corn with no flavor or butter on it every time I say lo and behold. I fucking hate that I say it. I'm done. It's being put to rest. Anyways, I came to the conclusion. I was like, it had the stem, the problem stemmed from issues in my childhood. And then I was starting to think, and today I did want to talk about attachment styles just because it's interesting, but um, th- th- this is so all fucking track. So she's back on her celibacy journey, you know, and I didn't even want to date this person or whatever. And now I'm like, okay, next time if I'm not planning on dating anybody, but if I do, you know, am I really, really wanting to have sex? And can I hold myself accountable and have those boundaries with myself of saying, hey, I don't really want to have sex with this person. That's not actually what I want. You know, let me stand up for myself, stand in power, my own personal power and say, hey, you know what? I really like you. Yeah, my vagina is clapping at the bit. Or maybe you don't even like them. Maybe your vagina is just clapping at the bit because you haven't got bangs. I don't know what your issue is, whatever it may be. But then you can be like, okay, let's take a step back. And it can be, you. I don't know about anybody else, but there's times where I feel like there can be pressure, not even from another person, just on myself that it's like things are going in a sexual way or a flirtatious way. And... Not that I feel like I have to have, like, I put pressure on myself to fuck somebody. Like, I'm not going to fuck you if I don't, like, I just said I'm not going to fuck you if I don't want to fuck you, but I fucked somebody I didn't want to fuck, so here I am, whatever. No, but it's been interesting, actually, you know, it's easy to be celibate when you're not actively trying to be interested in anybody or see anybody. Like, there's all these people on TikTok and women on TikTok talking about, I'm on my celibacy journey, but it's like, yeah. But if you're not fucking dating anybody, it's super fucking easy to be celibate. Like, you just don't have anybody to fuck to begin with. You know what I'm saying? So anyways, I think it'll be interesting in in the future, like uh, keeping these boundaries with myself and recognizing why I was fucking people to begin with. You know what I mean? Anyways, I don't know. It's some fucked up shit. But where I was going with this point is that I was driving down the road and thinking, I was like, and, and you know, I'm being hypocritical here. Like I'm also probably talking to myself. Babes, your body isn't a temple at this point. It's Madison Square Garden. Stop fucking lamos. Stop fucking people that you don't want to fuck. <laughs> I'm going to put that on a shirt. Your body isn't a temple, babes. It's Madison Square Garden. Sold out show, babes. Nobody can enter any fucking longer. Anyways, we have some pop culture to go over this week. I know it's a little bit old news, but I still want to talk about it. I still want to talk about it, and it's Balenciaga, the fucking campaign with the children and, you know, sexualizing children. What the fuck? Like, this is what I'm saying. Like, if you don't believe in demonic shit and that these high people in like high society aren't blatantly saying stuff, like you're out of your fucking mind. Like some people will be like, oh, that's bullshit, a conspiracy theory. And like you hear about all these Hollywood people sacrificing children, Hillary Clinton having that book in her office about blood sacrificing children. And I know it sounds so crazy and that's why people don't want to believe it. 
I am such a person that believes in like all of that type of shit. Not blindly believing into this shit, but once I see something like that, my psycho ass will go on deep, like hour long deep dives. Of I'll come home and sit on my phone for probably six hours until I go to sleep deep diving on this shit. And then I'm like, this is 100% true. And it's like right in front of our faces. Sexualizing children, let me tell you guys this. You want to know what the biggest industry is? And I will 100% always talk about this shit because I think we all need to be more aware of this. And you know, at some point, something's got to give. I don't fucking know. There's been evil people for the all of time. Just like there's good, there's always evil. I 100% believe that there's people out there, this crazy shit. Why do you think, I know this sounds like I'm really fishing at things here, but NDAs, people sign NDAs all the fucking time. You don't think, and you hear of like celebrities, like they're about to speak out about something or they're speaking out about things. And then they all of a sudden come up dead. It happens all the time in Hollywood. Like, it's a known thing that people just fucking turn up missing and dead. And the biggest industry, billion dollar industry, is child sex trafficking, is human trafficking. In America, I didn't know if you guys know this, and you can look this shit up for yourself. America is the number one country that causes the demand for this. And... Oh my god, I know this sounds so conspiracy theory ass and it's like, Aja, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm not kidding. You guys should fucking Google this shit. Hillary Clinton, her like BFF is in charge of like international something in Africa where they take care of children and um, whatever the fuck that shit is. I know I sound stupid when I'm like not representing the facts, but it's like it's been a while since I've looked at this shit and it's like thousands and thousands of children just blatantly go missing every year and of course they're like black and brown children so people just don't even fucking bat an eye or even look into it but I do believe that like our government is into some fucked up shit it doesn't make sense that our government officials are a million or even billionaires what are they billionaires from they don't own businesses where are they getting that fucking money from when they only have a salary of $140,000 to maybe $400,000 but yet they have multiple million dollar mansions make that fucking make sense they're doing sketchy shit anyways I think there's a lot of like artists and you know people and fashion and and then every industry and government but I think they're doing some weird fucked up shit. Balenciaga, what the fuck? They were like a really fucking cool brand popping off. But of course, not everything can stay good and true. And if you're still wearing Balenciaga or still plan on supporting them in the future, you need to fucking look in the mirror and think, hey, this is a real thing. Children go missing thousands and thousands and thousands every fucking year. And, I, and you're like, how does that tie into Balenciaga sexualizing children? Well, because it's a billion dollar industry that America is the number one country causing the demand for that. And it's fucked up and it's fucking weird. And I think they should all burn in hell and be exposed. But then again, these people own every... Where am I going with this? I'm on a fucking tangent. You guys don't fucking care. But if I could, I'm not kidding you. People are like, oh, I would never kill anybody. If there was a lineup of these motherfuckers doing this weird ass shit to kids fucked up i think they should be like burned at the stake how like witches were supposedly burned at the stake of the 1960s or like you're doing some weird shit i think all of us as a society should be like you guys are doing some weird fucked up shit your brand is over and you're being burned at the stake and put in prison for the rest of your life we get to throw stones at you you're fucked up you're weird stop taking advantage of people but today on another note <laughs> 
<laughs> you never know what you're going to get on this podcast, right? No, but on another note, um, today's my therapist's birthday. And I missed therapy a couple days ago. I blatantly, I lied to her. You know what? And I've been lying to my therapist. Oh my God. Moment of exposure here. I've been lying to my therapist on accident because I'll tell her details of things and then I'll forget to tell her other details of things and then I'll realize I didn't tell her the other details and then I feel like I'm lying and then I feel like I can't go back and say, hey, I forgot to tell you this point because it was a very big point of the story and I just didn't fucking mention it. So then now I feel like a big phony and I'm sitting here paying $135 a session. So that's something I've been struggling with. But I missed my appointment the other day and um, she has a 24-hour no cancellation point. I was laying my ass in bed the entire fucking day. I told her that I got busy with work and forgot because it, it was 15 minutes past my appointment time. And she's like, hey, Aja, you coming in? And I was like, by the time I get in, my appointment time will already be over. I was like, sorry, got caught up with work. If you don't go, you still get charged the entire entirety of the appointment as if you were to go. Mommy didn't fucking go. I got charged $135 pulled right from the bank account for me to fucking not go. So that makes me a little bit. Does anybody know what Riz means? R-I-Z-Z. I I fucking keep seeing it on the internet and they're like, you don't have Riz. Maybe let's Google it because it's kind of like we all need, you know, I'm about to be 23 and it's society is making me feel old as fuck. And I'm like, wow, I, I'm feeling so old already. I, remember when I was 19 and I was like 23 is so fucking old oh my god those old fucking bastards don't know anything cool but the thing is that more I age the cooler I'm getting but I don't know about anybody else and I know it sounds so fucking ridiculous to be 23 years old I'm not 23 yet but I'm about to be and to be like, yeah I'm like old and then the people that are older are like what the fuck are you talking about you're not old at all but then like I have friends that are only a few years younger than me and they make me feel old they make me feel like I have it all figured out and they make me feel like I'm mother and I don't fucking like that and it makes me want to not be friends with my younger friends because they make me feel old but they keep me young at the same time so let's see what the fuck riz means what does riz mean on tiktok because I keep saying it okay uh, Riz is a New York City slang created by YouTuber and Twitch streamer Kai Sinat. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, and it refers to a male's ability to impress women, aka gain. It is in terms to somebody's physical appearance. Yeah, but I thought, but I thought, I thought I saw another TikTok say, uh, that's not what Riz means. One's ability to seduce a potential love interest, and it's typically female. Okay, well thought we should go over that because I've been keep seeing TikToks and I'm like, what the fuck does Riz mean? Are we saying a slang here that is not appropriate? And you know what about TikTok? These motherfuckers on TikTok, like I love TikTok, addicted, guilty. I don't really care. People are like, uh, you know what I think is going to become really cringe is I get that we're supposed to use social media less and blah, blah, blah. What the fuck ever? I think... Now, this is me being a bitch, like, 100%. But I think that people who can't be on social media are... (laughs) This is the type of shit you probably shouldn't say. I think people who can't handle social media and they're, like... Like, obviously, if your mental health is at stake over fucking social media, yes, of course, delete it. Take care of yourself first. But people that are, like, "Mm, I'm not going to... 
This is me just just taking stabs at people because of my own inability because I fucking love TikTok. And so I'm like people who can't be on TikTok because they're like, I don't like it that it consumes my time. I'm like, okay, you're just like weak as fuck. That's not the truth. People on TikTok though are so fucking sensitive. It's so annoying. I think, and this is me being like 100% a bench. Like I don't even think of social media like existed anyways I would probably still be a bitch in our today's society because I just like am too honest with people and I think that a lot of people prefer to not take honesty just flat out front they would rather you like beat around the bush not me not mama anyway so I went shopping the other day I went to the mall who the fuck goes to the mall anymore not me but I did because my friend we were sitting at a coffee shop whatever and she goes, should we go to the mall? I was like, 100% let's go to the mall. I haven't been to the mall in forever. Let's fucking go. I'm hungry, whatever. Let's get some fucking mall court food. Well, we went to a mall. There's two malls and one is a shit show that I would never go to. People pull guns out at this mall and people get abducted at this mall. Like it happens several times. And then there's a really nice mall. It's like a high fashion mall. It's like nicer stores, but a little bit more pricey. Whatever, it has whatever. So we go to the nicer mall and... uh she's picking out shit, whatever. And we're going to the little different stores. And there's this, there's this store. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. It's called Altered State. Um, that's not really my jive. That's not really like my type of store. That's not really where I would shop. It's kind of like Christian girl autumn type vibes, but they do have occasionally some cute things in there that like I think you can go into any store and like find something and style it and make it cute. Anyways, they had a whole fucking section in here and it just goes to show me it's just like, you know, maybe this isn't my life because they had an entire wall full of yes to the dress, getting married, wifey sachets, bows, hats, glasses, picture frames. And it's like, you never see a man wearing a hat that says hubby, just married, And it's really interesting to me that a lot, and maybe this is misogynistic, I don't fucking know, I'm a little fucking slow, that we as women, not, I would never fucking do this, but I'm just speaking, you know, being a woman, that we make getting married, or or there's women out there that make getting married their entire personality, just like there are women that make being a mother their entire personality. Again, being married and, and, and being with somebody that you love beautiful thing great thing that's not what I'm saying being a mother bringing a life into this world amazing beautiful I love that but it's really interesting because you don't really see men making being a father their entire personality or getting married their entire personality and I think a lot of women they think that like this is the only time in their life that they're going to get attention from a lot of people in their social circle or it's like a validation of like you even see some women that continuously keep having babies not always and I'm not sitting here trying to judge women obviously these things come from probably systems and what the fuck ever and I'm not deeply thinking about it but it's just so interesting because you never see men doing that and you never see having having a whole section in a store dedicated to a man becoming a husband and I would never fucking do that I think that we as women have way more value to us as human beings as being an individual than to say, 
oh my gosh, now I'm this thing with this other person. Or now I'm this, again, with a mother, with a husband. Now I have more meaning because of these other things. And I think that's really devaluating as a woman and it's really a piece of shit. And I think that that's why I say when I'm getting married, great. If I, even if I, if I, if I even get married, who the fuck knows? If I become a millionaire, I'm not fucking marrying any man unless he's a billionaire. Um, because I'm a cunt. <laughs> no, but why are we doing this? Just like, like, it seems so devaluating as a human being to say, wow, I'm more important now because I'm getting married. Or now I'm more important because I'm a mother. Yes, be, having those two things are great. You don't fucking see men doing that. And you will definitely not be seeing me fucking do that shit. Ever. Like, I'm just not, when I'm getting married, of course, getting, I'm celebrating, having a great time. This is a really, you know, good point in your life. You're doing something that's amazing, but it is not your fucking identity. And a lot of people make these roles. A lot of women make these roles, their entire identity. And I'm not saying that it's not okay that you don't, I'm not the fucking rule maker, but I'm just saying, I think it's interesting. And I don't think that we should be making our entire personality point blank period. Anyways, further on, I was also shopping and I'm really being a bitch this week, huh? I was shopping. (laughs) I need a fisherman to make me his girlfriend ASAP because I went into free people movement. It made me want to go to Alaska. It made me want to be like, I just got off the shipyard and I was ice fishing and I'm just like about to slay with the snow dogs or snow dog racing, like those type of things that they do in Alaska. They had this cute little fuzzy jumper with a fucking white shirt underneath it. Anyways, it's not the point. I want to buy it. And there's outfits like that where it's just like, I do want to play a character. And I do want to live that lifestyle for like a couple days and then come back to who I am. But like, it would be a little bit fun. Anyways, I had a headband there. And the headband is one of those headbands. You guys know when white women go over to Africa and they do mission work and they all wear the fucking headband that ca- that that covers half their fucking head. I don't see anybody else fucking doing <laughs> You know what else fucking pisses me off? You know what's really sad is that you have those friends that are good at singing. Like you're you're in the car together, music comes on, and you're like, hmm, you're actually pretty good at singing. I have a couple friends like that, and I'm like, hmm, okay, she's low-key hitting those notes. And then I came to the realization the other day, nobody, not not one single fucking person has ever told me in my entire life that I'm good at singing. And it thoroughly upsets me because it's like, why am I not good at singing? And I remember my ex-boyfriend, I would plug in my headphones and just be belching it out singing you know I thought like especially when you're singing with your fucking chest you're piping out those tunes left and right vocal cords are strumming up down you're you're putting the grunt into it. it's like love on the brain you know you're really putting in the work and in your head even though you can't hear yourself you're like I know like this feels like it sounds so fucking good like there's no way that it can't because I'm putting my all into it and then if you've ever listened to yourself, I've done this. I've put headphones in, blaring the music, sound canceling, and then I've recorded myself and then listened to it back. <laughs> Highly disappointing. Don't fucking do that unless you want to be like secondhand embarrassment from yourself because I listened to that back and I was like, nobody could ever fucking watch this. And it's sad to know that like you're just not, you're just not talented or good at everything. You know what I'm saying? Oh, speaking of, so uh, she's moving people. 
packing my bags up, move January 1st. I'm not moving abroad. Not yet. Not yet. But I will be. And yeah, I'm not yet, but I will be. But I'm still moving on January 1st. Well, and I'm not going to say too much because then again, I already set myself up to be murdered. But then again, like she said before, it wouldn't be the worst thing that's happened to me. And isn't that an interesting thought? Oh, I binge watched White Lotus the other day. Um, literally laid in bed the entire fucking day. This is the day that I didn't go to therapy because I was binge watching White Lotus and watched all of season one and all of season two. So good. Don't know where I was going with that point. And the thing is about therapy too, is that it's like, why can't I be friends with my therapist? Because when I go into therapy, I genuinely feel like I am her favorite client. I don't know if I am. And the thing is, I don't know if you guys have ever done this. And I don't know if I've said this before is have you guys ever tried to Google your therapist? And if you're, li- I-, I hope my therapist doesn't listen to this podcast. She's not said to me and I hope she never does. If she, if she does, if she ever has, I hope she never fucking tells me. Um, but I Googled her and nowhere the, and, and me and my friend go to the same therapist, which that's a whole nother shit fuck anyways. But, um, I Googled her nowhere to be found on the internet. And then on the same Instagram, Facebook, Google, like I up and down and you know, it makes sense because you know, if you're, there's probably some people that you would be like, yeah, this is my professional life. I'm helping them and whatever. I don't want them to know who I really am. So I'm going to use a false name. Like I know she has Instagram, but I think that she uses a very private one. I don't fucking know, but she's not on the internet. And me and my friend were both trying to piece pieces together. Like I feel bad. (laughs) Me and my friend were really trying to investigate and we both think that she uses a fake name. That's besides the point. I, I don't know if you guys have gone to therapy, but I found a really good therapist I think anyways, like I think that it's been, I feel like I'm growing as a person. This is why she's been having revelations and mental breakdowns every fucking week. But anyways, I was about to say lo and behold again, and that was going to make me throw myself out the window. Um, But I feel like we're best friends. I feel like we connect on a deeper, more spiritual level, but I feel like that could be in my head. And I feel like I could be a little bit fucked up for saying that. Um, But really quickly, we're going to talk about attachment styles because this is something that is just really eye-opening when you're talking about being in relationships or just like you who you are as a person. So briefly, let me just go over. There's four different attachment styles. Um, there's four different attachment styles and the four are secure, anxious, avoidant, and disorganized. Me personally, I'm going to go through all of them, but I'll say that I am a disorganized and a disorganized attachment style is a mix of both anxious and and avoid it. And this kind of shows of like how you are in relationships, how you crave intimacy, blah, 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 blah. And it's really eye-opening. And it also makes you just be like, wow, I hate this about myself. But we all want to work towards being a secure attachment style. So I'm going to go through and it says the attachment theory basically outlines how your bond with your primary caregivers, like your parents, set the foundation on how you navigate your relationships once you're adult through your life. And so we have secure and then we have avoidant, which is it's dismissive or anxious avoidant. And then we have an anxious attachment style, which is preoccupied or anxious ambivalent. You guys know I fucking can't say shit. Again, if you hate people who stutter, people who mispronounce things, people who are a little bit fucking slow and say the word like 
a million times in a sentence, this isn't the podcast for you. Don't listen to it. That's all I've got to say. So it says, basically, we unconsciously expect our romantic partners to act as our parents did, and therefore we act in certain ways because of those expectations. And again, if you didn't have you know, healthy parents or secure parents growing up, which most people, oddly enough, at least that I've met, do not, or you've been, you've had trauma or say your mother had her own issues or your father was never there. Like it creates like these subconscious things in your mind. And like, then you implement those things into your current day relationships with most of the time romantic interests. And it's like super fucking interesting. So the, the attachment style that we all want to get to and like we want to be more conscious about and move towards is the secure attachment style. And secure is defined by an ability to build healthy, long-lasting relationships. It's the result of feeling secure with your caregivers from childhood and being able to ask for reassurance and validation without punishment. Ultimately, you felt safe and understood, comforted and valued during your early interactions as a child with your parents and your caregivers were emotionally available and aware of their own emotionals and behaviors. And this is, again... I'm not going to fucking have, again, I don't know if I'm going to have children, but why we probably shouldn't be having children unless we're like healed, secure individuals. So these are some signs of, of a secure attachment and how you might show up and its ability to regulate your emotions, easily trusting others. You have effective communication skills. You have the ability to seek emotional support when you need it. You are very comfortable being alone. You're comfortable in close relationships. You have the ability to self-reflect in partnerships. Oh my god, I'm so burpy. That coffee is disgusting. Being easy to connect with, you have the ability to manage conflict well, you have high self-esteem, ability to be emotionally available, and how this uh, shows up in relationships. Securely attached people grow up feeling secure emotionally and physically and can engage in the world with others in a healthy way. Um, as a result, people with a secure attachment style tend to navigate relationships well, and they're generally positive, trusting, and loving to their partners. Again, like, and as I read through some of these other attachment styles, and you think like, oh, shoot, that might be me, or oh, this one thing didn't, that doesn't really resonate, but the rest did, you know, there might be a few things, and a lot of the times we can be more than one attachment style, and you can guys actually go, there's several resources online where you can kind of take a test, and it'll go through the different attachment styles and tell you kind of what one you are the most. And then also there's a book, um, I can put it on the podcast Instagram, All Out Aja, um, the book over attachment styles that is a really helpful read. If you can, because it, it's really eye-opening to say, oh shoot, I do these or like this is because of this certain way that I was raised and I was completely unaware of it. I want to show up more healthy, more secure. I mean, constantly growing. So I always say live, laugh, learn, love, live, laugh, learn, love. So we want to learn more about ourselves. So this is what we're going to fucking learn today, babes. People that have secure attachments, they trust their partners and partners intentions and jealousy is often not an issue for them. Securely attached people feel that they're worthy of love and don't need external reassurance. And a lot of us can sit here and say, oh yeah, like I feel worthy of love. I need, I don't need all this external reassurance. But sometimes if we get really real with ourselves, that's not always the case. So personally, for me, one of the biggest things as I've been writing the notes app, if you guys don't know, I've been writing a, a series of books over people that I've dated or people that I've had interest in. There's going to be three of them. And it's basically because I fucking live in my notes app and write and journal and stuff. 
and my um, value of self-worth, I had like how I've seen that reflected through relationships and how I've interacted and whatever. So over the three people that I'm writing about and how I've recognized like my own behaviors or why I do certain things, blah, 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 blah. Anyways, I had a really big issue, especially when I was like 18 and coming into college. I didn't recognize this until I graduated, but I had the lowest amount of self-worth. Like I was like, I'm not worthy of anything. Like I was overly like grateful for like basic human experiences or basic human rights. And I was just like, oh, like, like don't worry about me. And it was, it's actually super sad to think about your younger self and like dealing with self-worth because we're all worthy of loving ourselves and all worthy of great experiences and great relationships and good positive impactful experiences but something for me is that I was I had like the lowest self-esteem I didn't think I was worthy of love worthy of like like really anything and I didn't recognize I didn't even know that I was like that until I was reading through journals and then I had mentors throughout college that was like Aja your self-worth is fucked up like you you know you're worthy of so much more blah 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 anyways that was an issue for me that I've grown through and I'll talk through more of my personal experience with my attachment style because it's kind of uncomfortable to be real with yourself and say I am like this I do have behaviors like this I've done things that I'm not proud of or I've shown up in relationships that I'm not proud of and like recently I've been reflecting of like things that I've done in the past and like a few years ago not a few years ago when I was like 18 or 19 there's been a few things that I did to people or not necessarily did but like things that just like made me think like man like I wasn't always and we're not always good people and I think that it's hard to like look ourselves in the mirror and say like I wasn't a good person there or I did something that was really fucked up and even a week ago there was something that I did and I was just like so mortified that I was like I and you don't like we do shit and it's just like fuck I didn't want to do that we're trying to break these cycles patterns I know I'm getting on a tangent but it's again it's just interesting and, and it's kind of hard to recognize when we're not healthy or we're doing patterns that are uncomfortable and then to say, hey, that wasn't cool that I did that and I need to be real with myself and fix this and, you know, take action towards doing better and, you know, how is this affecting the people in my life? Anyways, so the next attachment style that I'm going to go over is, and again, I'm not some guru. I'm not a scientist. I'm not whatever. I'm just going off a personal experience. So don't sit here and be like, oh, Aja fucking said, and, or what the fuck is she talking about? She's not some fucking mental health or therapist. I don't, I don't know. Just don't fucking, you know, take everything I say with a grain of salt. Not to say that it's not good information, but you know, I'm not one of those fucking people. So I just want to fucking say that right now. Anyway, so we have an avoidant attachment style and avoidant or dismissive avoidant and anxious avoidant are all words for the same insecure attachment style. And it's defined by failures to build long-term relationships with others due to inability to engage in physical and emotional intimacy. Um, How this develops is that in childhood, you may have had strict or emotionally distant and absent parents or caregivers, and your parents may have left you to fend for yourself, expected you to be overly independent, reprimanded you for depending on them, rejected you when you were expressing your needs or emotions, or had been slow to respond to your basic needs as a child. Um, And some avoidant producing parents are outright neglectful, but others are simply just busy, slightly disinterested, and more concerned with things like grades, chores, manners than feelings, hopes, dreams, or fears. And let me say this really quick too, is that when you recognize what your attachment style is, 
So at first I thought that I was an anxious attachment style, very clingy, very like fear of abandonment, but I recognize that I'm actually a disorganized, which is a mix of avoidant and anxious. Not to say that I am to those days, but that's naturally where I fucking was. And like, I'm, you know, we're all growing to become the more secure attachment styles. But say that if you're an avoidant attachment style, you cannot date a person that has an anxious attachment style because the avoidant when they get emotionally close to somebody, it freaks them the fuck out and they're backpedaling. They're like, I don't like this. I don't, this is uncomfortable. And they will like basically run away. And then the anxious attachment person is chasing after that person, becoming more and more clingy and more and more like craving for that emotional intimacy when the avoidant, not that the avoidant doesn't want that emotional avoidancy, but it scares them. There's a fear of it. So then they're like running the opposite direction. And while this anxious avoidant style is like a fear of abandonment and then they see this person running away, it's basically a room for disaster and could basically never fucking work. There's people in my life that I have been interested in and then like as I've been trying to recognize things about myself, I recognize them naturally about the people that I'm interested in. And there was a person that I was interested in that was I could immediately recognize. And the way that they spoke about their parents and their relationship with their mother, I immediately recognized this is an avoidant attachment style. And I'm an anxious, more anxious attachment than avoidant. But, um, you know, that's never going to fucking work. Unless, we, and you know, you both people have to work towards being secure and recognizing those behaviors. But anyways, let's continue on avoidant. So like as a result to your parents being neglectful or simply just busy or disinterested, um, people say these children may learn to adopt a strong sense of independence and say they don't have to rely on anyone else for their care or support. So some signs that you know, you might be an anxious avoidant attachment style as if you persistently avoid emotional or physical intimacy. You feel a strong sense of independence. You are uncomfortable expressing your feelings. You are dismissive of others. You have a hard time trusting people. You feel threatened by anyone who tries to get close to you and tries to be emotionally or physically intimate with you. Um, You spend more time alone than interacting with others. Um, And you believe that you don't need others in your life. You typically are the person that says that you have commitment issues. Like I have a hard time committing to somebody. That's somebody that has an avoidant attachment style. So this is something. So ways that this could manifest in relationships are anxious avoidant um, adults may tend to navigate relationships with an arm's length. The need for emotional intimacy is simply lacking in this type of individual. So romantic relationships are not able to reach any level of depth. Um, While they allow romantic partners to engage with them, they avoid getting emotionally close. A partner may feel as if they can never get inside and will inevitably be stonewalled or dismissed when these relationships feel too serious for the anxious avoidant partner. So a lot of the time, I don't know if you guys have been with people or maybe this is you where you are seeing somebody and you think that things are getting you're really starting to like each other you guys are being more you know having more in-depth conversations with each other things are getting deeper and then this person kind of just starts to float away and you're like what the fuck I think I thought things were going great they might have an avoidant attachment style and you know it's something that they personally have to work through and like I have personally found that a lot of the times avoidant attachment styles do want to be heard out and like there are fears of that, but it's almost as if they want, this is just from my personal experience. I'm not saying like this is the truth again, but 
it's like they want you to chase after them and really fight for the love and really it's so ass fucking backwards and like I know part of this too because I have some of these tendencies myself that I've worked well worked slash working through so the next attachment style that we're going to go through is the anxious attachment style and this is characterized by fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, um, depending on a partner for validation and emotional regulation, and you have codependent tendencies. And how this develops is it stems from inconsistent parenting that isn't attuned to a child's needs. These children have a difficulty understanding their caregivers or their parents and have no security for what to expect from them moving forward. And often they're confused with their parental relationships and feels it can feel unstable. Children with this attachment style experience very high distress when their caregivers leave. Sometimes the parents will be supportive and responsive to the child's needs, while other times they will be, they won't be attuned to their children. Okay, so some of the notes of these of how your parents may have done. If you have an anxious attachment style, your parents may have done some things like alternated between being overly coddling and then detached or indifferent. Your parents could have been easily overwhelmed, been sometimes attentive and then absolutely pushed you away, made you feel responsible how they felt. Therefore, these children often grow up thinking that they are supposed to take care of other people's feelings and often become codependent. Signs that you might have an anxious attachment style include clingy tendencies, highly sensitive to criticism, you need approval from others, jealous tendencies, you have difficulty being alone, you have low self-esteem, you feel unworthy of love, you have an intense fear of rejection, um, significant fear of abandonment, and difficulties trusting others and how this can show up in relationships. They usually feel unworthy of love and need constant reassurance from their partners. And in my last relationship, it wasn't until I was out of the relationship that I realized that I was doing these things. And I mean, it's, there's a mix of things that can happen, but like, for instance, I'll just share some of my personal things because we're a vulnerable AF on this podcast, but, um, I would always, first of all, this person was never really reassuring me to regardless, like a lot of the times I was left like with question marks, like the behaviors don't match up. Does this person truly love me? I'm confused or always initiating acts of love and things, but I would, I would still, and I think that, you know, growing up and stuff, I just always felt unworthy of love because I never received love. Not never, but like from my biological parents in a healthy, secure way. And a lot of the times I would ask for constant reassurance from my partner. And I can see how fucking annoying that can be and how hard that could be. But also when you're with somebody and you are talking about your childhoods together, a lot of times these are things that you can work towards and saying, okay, I understand that this person is like this. I'm like this, but it's something that I constantly did. I was constantly saying like, I love you. I love you. But a lot of the times it was to say like, does this person also love me? And also looking for that reassurance of like, you know, do they, or, and some of that comes from my childhood. Some of that came from the relationships itself. Again, it was a mix, but it's also just interesting to look at. So if you have an anxious attachment style, it can manifest in relationships with ways that they often blame themselves for challenges in the relationships and they can exhibit frequent and intense jealousy or distrust due to poor self-esteem. Ultimately, there's a deep-rooted fear of being abandoned, rejected, or alone. And those fears typically express themselves in these ways. So next, we're going to talk about the disorganized attachment style. And this is one that I would really resonate with. A little bit of anxious and a little bit of avoidant naturally 
It says anxious disorganized attachment is defined as having extremely inconsistent behavior and difficulty trusting others. I don't have, just to talk, like, as I'm talking through this stuff, like, I don't want you guys to think, not that it fucking matters either way, but, like, as I'm reading, this is is not textbook Aja Smith, even though this is my podcast and my show. It's not the Aja Smith show. <laughs> so, um, how it develops is most, the most common causes of a disorganized attachment style is from childhood trauma, neglect, or abuse, fear of their parents, their sense of safety. Children with his attachment style may seem confused. Caregivers are inconsistent and are often seen as sources of comfort and fear by their children, which leads their disorganized behaviors. Signs of a disorganized attachment style include fear of rejection, inability to regulate emotions, contradictory, you guys know what I'm trying to say, contradictory, I can't fucking say behaviors, high levels of anxiety, difficulties trusting others, and signs of both avoidant and anxious attachment styles. A lot of the times, um, this type of attachment style also is associated with mental health conditions in adulthood, including mood disorders, personality disorders, self-harm, and substance use disorders. And how this can manifest in relationships is people within a disor- with a disorganized attachment style tend to have unpredictable and confusing behavior. They often alternate between being aloof and independent and being clingy and emotional. That is 100% me. It's like I can either be like the coldest person in the room and you will I will not talk to you. I it's like I'm super hyper independent. You know, I'm not going to be interdependent on anybody and it's like that or I'm I've found myself at least in my past relationship I recognize this about myself is that I was overly clingy, overly emotional like reading into things and it was just like this back and forth like super confusing for me as well. Why am I having these two different things? And it's a feeling of being safe and secure and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, where they desperately seek love, they also push partners away because they fear love. Um, They believe that they'll always be rejected, but they don't avoid emotional intimacy. They fear it and they also consistently seek it out only to reject it again. They perceive their partners as unpredictable and they themselves behave in unpredictable ways within their relationships as they continue to wrestle between the need for security and fear. I'm just going to talk about this is talking about the anxious or the attachment styles in general is making sense of the way one interacts with their partner knowing why they react in certain ways can make a journey of healing a lot easier new patterns of thinking can emerge and behaviors can be corrected and a lot of this information that I'm talking about by the way is from psychcentral.com but um you know, again, and, and you can take a test online and do that. A lot of the times the best way to talk about this is if you go see a counselor or a therapist. And like, I've talked a little bit about this with my therapist as well. And yeah, it's really interesting because then you can really see like how the fuck am I showing up in relationships and how are, you know, what, what, what am I doing? And like, is this healthy? Where does this come from? And for me personally, like I'll talk about a lot of the times I had an inconsistency with my parents where they would be act and behave in normal loving ways and then also be very very abusive and then also ignore that abuse and then it was like this push and pull and I never knew what to expect and I didn't feel as though I was worthy of love and it's also just like really uncomfortable to I don't know be real with yourself and just talk about your experiences and like why you could be the way and like sometimes I feel like a lot of the times I think about this stuff and like it 
it's so easy to put the blame on your parents and like although I'm not saying like whatever your parents did a lot of the times like your parents aren't perfect either and they probably have their own attachment style issues but it it can't you can be like oh like fuck my parents or fuck this and fuck that because they didn't they did this and now I'm fucked up or I'm a certain way because of them but at the end of the day we all have to take responsibility for the way that we behave and the way that we show up in our lives and the way that we show up in our relationships and yeah you could have gone through some really fucked up shit or you could have just had like a normal life but your parents weren't the best parents or they were absent or they did certain things that made you act in a certain way or they didn't provide enough consistency. I don't know what it may have been, whatever. But at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, whatever your parents did probably did fuck you up or made you like weird and like you have those weird quirks and kinks. But what's important is, you know, being real with ourselves and saying, hey, what I'm doing I don't like that I'm doing this. This doesn't seem healthy. This doesn't seem secure. It's affecting my ability to make long-lasting relationships. It's affecting my ability to want to seek them out, to accept it, to love myself in those relationships, to show up the way that I want to. So, you know, we want to take responsibility for the way that we behave and, and like think of that. And like something for me is like, you know, I'll think that I'm through a behavior or I think that I've healed from something that affected me and I like has made me the who I am today. And then I'll do something like I did last week. I said something to someone and behaved in a way that I'm not proud of. And then after I had extreme guilt of like, I thought that I was done behaving in this way or acting out or do- doing these things in this way. Why did I do that? And I really wanted to fucking beat myself up over it because I was like, this is like, it just makes me feel so defeated when I feel like, and you guys might feel this way too. Like if you're going through recognizing patterns and behaviors that you do and you're like, oh shit, why did I do that? That's not who I want to show up as. And then the ability to afterwards not be so harsh and judge yourself on it, but even just the self-realization and awareness of that is the first step of saying, oh shit, I fucking did that. It wasn't okay. How can I prevent this from happening in the future and breaking these behaviors and breaking these patterns because I want love. I want to be secure, blah, 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 blah. I know this podcast this week was not super fucking hilarious, (laughs) but sometimes that's just life. Anyways, I want you all to live, laugh, learn, and love, babes. We're here to grow as people and live happy, more fulfilling, growing lives. So that's it for this week. Go follow the podcast Instagram at All Out Aja. Leave this podcast a five-star review if you're a fucking badass. And then you can go to the website if you want alloutwithaja.com. You can leave whatever there, like leave a story there or just fucking DM me. And that's it. Love ya. Bye.